okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You sound like you're alive at least. Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> oh, there it is. I heard it. <laughs> yep. You'll be seeing me uh, muting every now and then. As you hack up another lung? Pretty much. There's like nothing left to hack up or get rid of, it seems like. You sounded in a bad way when I tried. To, we tried, We talked the other day. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it was bad. I mean, I could have sworn I had the flu or COVID, but nope. It's a really bad cold. But you had a fever, right? I did, but it was my, it was slight. Oh, uh, okay. So. So. Yeah, hmm. fever and chills. Fun. Oh, well. Yeah, everyone's like, it's terror. It's just like going through everyone right now. Everyone I know is sick. How's that? With like yeah. the same the same skunk? Great. Yeah. Great. I was going to say I need to come see you, but uh, to help my back, but no, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm not going to come see you. I'm not going to cross the state line. I mean, I'm on day eight by now, so. Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm not going anywhere near you. Yeah. Uh, no, I injured my lower back and I don't know. What you do? It's like it. Well, it's it's like a flare up of an old, old, old injury. Like I, I had a torn disc in like 2009, and it was like I had injections and injections, like repeatedly, like you know, every, a couple times a year for a couple years, and those really helped. And then it got to where I didn't really need them anymore. Now it only flares up every now and again. Mm. Um, and I was rearranging things in my um, home office the other day, which is where my Peloton is. And I moved that. So the only thing I can think of is that I did that wrong somehow. But oh, I'm like, I lift weights. I like lift weights and stuff. So like, and I do a lot of like deadlifting just for that purpose to like strengthen the lower back. But I know. I, I mean, mean, I told you I hurt my back last week bending over. So yeah, I, I thought mean. of you. I totally <laughs> thought of you because I was like, what did I do? And I couldn't think of anything that I'd done. Um, but I've been resting like when it happened, it just like, yeah, it was like, it just started to flare up and then it got really bad and like, I couldn't move. So I spent oh. like, I spent like the weekend laying on a heating pad watching. I've been binging below deck seasons. Uh, <laughs> like I'm going through so many seasons. Um, so I, I was doing that most of the weekend. Um, I've never seen that show, but I hear it's good. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll have to talk about it. Um, <laughs> because of the new season of the sailing season started tonight anyway um yeah so um spend the weekend resting like on a heating pad and stuff and ibuprofen yeah and it's 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 been getting better every day and then i went to like it still hurts but i can at least do stuff today and then i went to my chiropractor um and he did a little my my russian chiro back there mm -hmm. big big manly russian that like and he, he, he manipulated some, your spine he did some stuff, um, stretching and stuff, and then, yeah, some manipulations. Um, and it's definitely getting better, but I was just on the heating pad and stuff. So I should be good to go. Uh, yeah, but I don't know what it is. But I, it's one of those things that, like, um, acupuncture would totally. totally oh, help. yeah. Well, um, I'm sorry I'm not closer. Yeah, well, I'm sorry you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd come out good. there and hang out. It's all uh, good. Yeah, yeah. It's been a uh, while since we've recorded. It has been. It has been. Um. So yeah, like you've been sick, and then I was on spring break. I actually took the whole week off, 
um, had spring break. Um, my stepdaughter had spring break. And so not that she needs me to be home with her or anything, but um, it, it was just nice to like reset and recharge and just sort of like do some spring cleaning, which I needed to do, clear that clutter around my like home office. And so it's like, and I rearranged it and stuff. And um, I always feel so good. Yeah, really does. Like a really good refresh. Um, so I did that and then um, hung out with her some, like we went to the immersive Van Gogh exhibit. In oh, how was that? It was really cool. It was really cool. Uh, I kind of wish it was like more for what you're paying for, but I mean, it's not super expensive. It was like 40 bucks for an adult, 20 bucks for her. Um, <clears throat> and then like a $5 each vr add-on thing that we did which was cool but um but yeah it was really cool but you know what it was the perfect length and, and it was the perfect thing like for her like if it was longer i think she would have probably started to get restless and stuff but like as it was it was like perfect because she really enjoyed it she likes art and all the interactive stuff and everything and she she does her own art so she you know knows who van gogh is and stuff like that so yeah that's really cool so, i've been wanting to do that that's been on my list for a while now so yeah it was really cool i really i enjoyed it um and then yeah and did all that like spring refresh and then um my kid came home this weekend um uh my kid came home unexpectedly for the for easter um but not that like we're religious and celebrated not that his girlfriend's family's religious but it was just it worked out that they both came home so i got to see that that was good yeah that was nice um got the kids you know decorating we did uh oreo shaped eggs like egg-shaped oreo decorating thing Instead instead of decorating and hiding eggs they just decorated cookies it was like my forced, <laughs> my forced holiday, family holiday. <laughs> Did you find those at Sam's Club? Because I saw like an Oreo decorating kit. I, I just got Sam's. them at the grocery store. Okay. I was I like, this my looks Wegmans, good. My local okay. Wegmans. My problem is I would just eat it. Like I wouldn't even decorate or I would. Like, <laughs> well, I did, I did buy <laughs> Oreos also, which I just finished off. And Oreos are delicious. They are, but I can't get back on them. I, I, oh, I was in a bad way with those. So, um yeah easter's over i'm off the easter candy now i have to be back on back on my bullshit to like get my gut health back to normal right. you know well, well as normal as it can be speaking of gut health oh my god <laughs> someone has the green apple splatters over there oh my god <laughs> all day my stomach has been really bad see okay what had happened was I can't smell or taste anything. And I had scallops in my fridge and I didn't think they were bad. I wouldn't have eaten them if I thought they were bad because they had been cold and maintained at the proper temperature, I think, um, and everything. But it's the only thing I can think of is that I ate the scallops yesterday and all day I've been uh, sick to my stomach. So interesting. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, I haven't like I didn't eat any Easter candy, really, because I can't taste anything. So it's not even like, worth eating. Not candy. even worth it. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, well, let me just eat these scallops for protein. <laughs> <laughs> eat these scallops. You cooked them, of course. <laughs> of course I did. Yeah. Yep. They were cooked. Oh, oh well. Oh, well. 
Yeah, so so I've been, as I mentioned before, I've been binging um, below deck seasons. And this is a show like I used to watch it, like the regular one of it, and then kind of like fell off after a couple of seasons, you know, and just, you know, as, as you float through TV shows, right? Yeah. And it was on the other day or something recently. So I caught like a couple episodes of a particular season and never the rest of them so i'm like oh i wonder you know i don't during my spring break this is what i did <laughs> part yeah. of what i did is i put this on so i was like well let me find out i gotta find out what happened to camille did she ever get fired and like what actually did um what's her name rachel the chef say to chef uh to captain lee that got that had that made them help have a falling out like i didn't know because i only knew that they had a falling out and i was like what is it for what happened so i had to go back and like watch the entire seasons of these ones where i'd gotten bits and pieces uh, that led to me watching uh finishing season like nine and ten of regular not the mediterranean but the regular one with captain lee and then um, I was told that the sailing yacht one is pretty good, which that's the one that's a new season of starting tonight. So is that a Bravo show? Yes, it's on Bravo. Oh, okay. Um, but I've been watching them on the Peacock app. Um, okay. So um, so someone told me the sailing yacht one was good, but starting with season two. So I didn't even bother to watch season one. I watched I started with season two, which I watched, and now I'm on season three. Um, because a lot of those same people are coming back in this next season that starts tonight. And, but I don't know their whole backstories because I have a whole season to catch up on before I watch the new one. So this is my below deck rabbit hole that I've gone mm -hmm. on. Um, hi, Hanakawa. Hello. Oh, wow. <laughs> we get, can we try that again? Hi, Hanakawa. Nope. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well then. I'm tired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the band's back together. We're all back together, y'all. <laughs> We're just talking about just like spring break and everything. This just everything that's happening. And my friend Amy had the house fire and she's gonna come on and do the love is blind stuff with us. And it's just like there's just she's been a mess. She's been a mess. <laughs> mess. Is she okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's okay. Right. Everybody in the house is okay. Nobody, I I don't know who I can't remember. Who was there but it wasn't all the pets are okay or everything's okay everything's damaged because of the smoke because it was in the basement i think and she can she can talk more about it when she comes on but she yeah so they had this fire so they had to be rehomed as it were um and deal with the fact that they didn't have access to any of their stuff and then of course now she's got to deal with the repairs and all whatever's happening i don't know a lot of stuff happening but <laughs> so um but yes everybody's okay everybody's fine you good. know all is good all is good otherwise i mean other than dealing with that everything's fine um thoughts and prayers mm -hmm. <laughs> so um hopefully she'll be able to get on this week she said but um we'll see we will see, but she's going to, yeah, do Love is Blind with us um, because that show is fucking a train wreck and a half. Are either of you started watching that yet? Which one? <sighs> Love is Blind, the new season, no, season no, four. No. Mm -hmm. I have, but I've been watching it at night when I go to sleep. So mm -hmm. I'm getting bits and pieces. I need to watch it. Like, Yeah, like, it's hard. It, like the first couple of episodes I thought were kind of boring. I was kind of meh on like the pods. 
And then things got like spicy and, and drama filled after they left the pods and it got kind of trashy. And so that was cool, but I could only handle it in spurts. Like, and mm-hmm. so then I had to go and, and all of the, the white women have these vocal fries that drive me batshit and they're all dumb as fuck, except for like this one girl. And, and so it's the things that they say and do and with the vocal fries and stuff, I can only handle it in like small <laughs> amounts. <laughs> and you guys who watch it know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Micah. I'm talking about Arena, all of them. Um, the only one is that like the one couple that's like actually in, in love. Everybody else is just, oh God. Anyway, so much to talk about. So much. So Amy um, will be joining us for that. Um, what else? Love is Blind. Speaking of uh, casting in Washington, D.C. And Lexi, pray tell, why won't you sign up to audition? Hell to the no. <laughs> First of all, the casting well, is getting worse and worse. So they're yes. now they're just doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just literally casting assholes. So mm-hmm. I would never want it. Well, I would never. I don't want to date anyone right now at all, let alone on TV. <laughs> let alone blind, right? Um, well, especially now that we know the tricks or their bullshit. Yeah. I don't think they're. I don't know. They're they just, they, they just bring mean, in that- dumb people. Who was the vet last uh, season that was the asshole? The veterinarian? They called him Shake. Shake was his his nickname. God, I hated him. I hate him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, here it is. I was going to. No, that's not what I wanted. Um, The. um, No, there it is. So Love is Blind casting in DC and um there are it's it's funny. Okay, so the thing about dating in DC, the thing, <laughs> there's many, many things about dating in DC. But um and and Lexi and I have our own stories of dating in this area, but like one of the things is like dating uh location-wise. Like people who live inside the beltway don't date people who live outside the beltway, right? Let alone somebody who lives in baltimore or between there maybe annapolis baltimore doesn't count baltimore is just like that doesn't even count as the dmv yeah but people on the married at first sight season that was filmed here Uh there were some there were people that they were paired up some but like baltimore and dc okay i mean but if you if if you're talking about the dmv baltimore it's it's a i wouldn't count controversial in there but no so there is this woman who's a reporter. She um for Politico. Her name is Natalie Fertig. She's hilarious. She's the um her beat on Politico is the cannabis policy stuff. So she's the pot writer. <laughs> so she's Politico. So she has a Twitter um thread which was now this is this isn't real this is just like her being funny okay she said love is blind can't find people in dc because everyone a won't take the time off from their career to find love b (laughs) is afraid they might jeopardize their security clearance by going on the show and or c doesn't want it to pop up when they run for office someday (laughs) someone told the producers the only way they're getting a dc love is blind is that they film on nights and weekends when congress isn't isn't in session and if they let everyone appear anonymously more masks. Ooh, it could be like a masquerade. <laughs> yeah. 
just imagining two and then contestants. there'll be a politician hiding under one of those. That'd be masks. the love it love is kinky. Oh God. <laughs> just imagine two contestants fall in love and then realize they're gonna have to inform their bosses of their relationship for ethics reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I'm laughing at these as a government employee myself, right? <laughs> All the giddy contestants who hand in one phone when they go in the villa, but still have their second phone secretly on hand because producers didn't didn't anticipate everyone possessing two phones. And they all keep <laughs> posting updates on Discord and LinkedIn. <laughs> Seriously. If two reporters get cast, they'll only be able to talk to each other because everyone else will be constantly asking if they're off the record right now. <laughs> And their first convo will be, oh, you work at Politico? Did you overlap with X? <laughs> Love her. Isn't she at the Post now? <laughs> but careers will be forged in the dorms. Lifelong relationships will be made. 15 years from now, you'll wonder how the majority leader's chief of staff came to be such good friends with the Wall Street Journal's bureau chief and the deputy secretary, secretary of education. And the answer will be Love is Blind. What they're afraid of is that one of the other girls will be like, oh, I've had an affair with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got out of the bag there. His last so, relationship. <laughs> so there's a lot of comments on here about they did married at first sight here. Um, but a lot of the people weren't specific to DC. So when they talk about Washington, what this woman's talking about a lot is like the Washington proper, right? And that's like yeah. all the 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 Hill staffers and all the people that you know work on you know K Street and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. My um, mom worked on the Hill back in the day. She has some stories. I bet she you. does. <laughs> Let me, I don't want to say it. I don't want to like. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Listening. Right? <laughs> um, and then and then there's people who are in D.C. who work in and around D.C. that aren't part of the government, Washington, Washington. But then there's like the greater DMV area, right? Which is like because you've got, you know, like Amazon coming here and it's like huge IT, play, you know, there's a lot of IT centers and, and a lot of other um, Beltway Bandits, as they call them, you know, and all these other um, kinds of industry, private industry that's here too in this area. So it's not just like Washington wonks that are, you know, in this area. So they talk about like the, mar the mar Married at First Sight dc which was like a lot in arlington crystal city like the apartment they lived in was in crystal city and stuff like that mm -hmm. which is i consider it part of the dc area oh yeah crystal city definitely it's basically is it's it's right there inside the beltway i mean it's right there you know yeah. it's, it's basically um i mean you can see the pentagon yeah. from crystal city so um and then they were talking about the real housewives of dc lasted one season and didn't work but the real housewives of potomac on the other hand has done well i didn't even know there was a real housewives of dc there was one season and it was hijacked by the the one couple who crashed the white house oh <laughs> what the hell yeah <laughs> i don't um, remember that i don't either i know the real housewives of potomac because i grew up near sort of right. near potomac and silver spring and so of right, course i'm paying right. attention to that but um interesting um yeah housewives dc white house okay um michelle and is her name like michelle i don't know she spells it weird so i don't know if it's like michaela she, or michelle or it's probably just michelle and she changed this mckelty m-i-c-h-a-e-l-e and she was married to this guy, Salahi, what was this? Tariq Salahi. 
and when and they appeared on the show uh real housewives show and i don't know there's he was supposed to be some I don't know, some elite, somebody, whatever. But they basically, they there was a specific story about how they crashed this White House state dinner. And then they tried to say they had an invitation and they produced all these weird emails that were basically like him just intruding on people he knew trying to get invited, <laughs> but didn't actually get invited. Oh, but my yeah, God. they got stopped at the, the White House for a state dinner. So... Oh, in any case, so Love is Blind is filming here in the D.C. area. I wonder how far out they're going to get people because here's another interesting thing is watching Lo the Love is Blind season four. It's supposed to be Seattle, right? But like half these couples are now arguing if they're going to live in Seattle or Portland because one lives in Portland and one lives in Seattle. So, you know, these people are coming from all over to audition or whatever. Yeah. Um, instead of getting people from like right in that same area. And then I'm like. <sighs> You spent all this time in the pods getting to know somebody so much that you, you fell in love with them and said yes to a marriage proposal, but you don't know whether you want to live in Seattle or Portland until you get out of the pods. Like, that wasn't something you talked about? Well, here's the thing about D.C. too. So, I don't know the statistics, but so many people in this area are from other areas. They mm -hmm. moved here. And so who knows where people are going to end up? You know, they could be here temporarily. They could be right. here, whatever. Um, So that'll be interesting. And I will guess... My guess is there's going to be at least two people from PG County, one person from Montgomery County, at least one area, person from Montgomery Arlington, County. Arlington, yeah, a hundred percent. Somebody from where you are, Arlington, or right around Arlington, mm -hmm. Alexandria, Arlington, Alexandria, Alexandria. and they're going to film, and they're going to film them in Old Town, regardless of where they live in Alexandria. Yep. This is always going to say they like make it look like they live in. They'll get an Airbnb. They're going to film Town. in Georgetown too. I bet always. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. we already know just call us production we got yeah. you <laughs> we know this already we we know it's gonna happen um paddle boarding and uh are <laughs> the take it in a game. there's gonna be a nats game um they're gonna have drinks on rooftops so like this is what's gonna happen there's gonna be all so all of these buildings that just went you know my office is right next to the the, the stadium and so I've been watching, we were one of the first buildings to go in, in the area. Right. And so there was nothing around and except for like the, the stadium, the Na nationals park is right there. That was it. It was like the only things. And then we've been watching as all these other buildings have been going up. And, um, you know, what do they say is the Washington DC state bird is the construction crane. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, I've never heard that. <laughs> so it's just so but all these buildings but they're all these like really high-end like um you know condos and townhouses and you know these really really high-end places you know we're talking you know eight hundred thousand dollars to over a million for a two-bedroom you know um like a two-bedroom condo and stuff but they all have these like great rooftop decks and there's these great restaurants and it's all this you know up and coming, blah, 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 revitalization of the waterfront area. Just, it's really cool. I mean, it's really cool seeing all these businesses and stuff going in. Um, but they're going to do like a, a a dinner. You know, the whole group is going to have dinner there and they're going to see the game and they're going to have the fireworks because, you know, there's always like a baseball game on the 4th of July. <laughs> so these are going to be the dates after the pods. And they do, the pods are built in a warehouse somewhere. So plenty of space for that that's probably out in like loudon county or some shit <laughs> yep. 
whatever. <laughs> yep. Whatever. And nobody's going to make it. <laughs> no couples are going to make None. it at the end. None, because there's just going to be a bunch of clowns. Just a bunch of clowns. But you and I have dated in this area, and um, it's it's interesting, you know? It's horrible, yeah. I mean, I haven't yeah. dated in the D.C. area in a while, but well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm part of all the groups, so I hear and see everything. So many people are military, too, and they are. They do, you know, everybody says they work for the government, but 90% of the people can't tell you what they do, like, because they literally do something secretive. Well, and then so the like, other the other part of them say they can't tell you what they do because they're just bullshitting bullshit. you. Yep, exactly. Because they, they can get away with it, apparently, you know. Yep. I mean, I haven't dated here in, you know, seven, eight years or whatever it is since I, you know, um, since I met our life mate. Mm -hmm. um, well, no, that's not true. I did date. We we broke up for a summer. And during that summer, I tried, I tried to date. Was that horrible? It was awful. It yeah. was awful. Like, I went on, it was like, I ended up going out on a date with this one guy who was really nice and smart and stuff, but he's like, he was like my age, which was like, I was like 45 at the time, maybe a little older. Um, and he, and um, he had, he was like my age, never had a relationship longer than six months, Interesting. which at our age is kind of a red flag. Like, yeah. And he worked in IT, which is normal. He lived in Arlington, duh, you know, <laughs> um, and um and then he like kissed me goodnight and and he was just straight tongue like it was just like <laughs> like tongue like i'm like oh what what no it was awful Ooh. it was awful awful oh um but getting that getting to that point <laughs> even just getting to go on a date was was excruciating mm -hmm. um so yeah it's just you know oh god I was a, before I got sober. I was a part of a happy hour meetup group in Alexandria, in Old Town. Oh, that sounds fun! <laughs> it was. It was actually a lot of fun. I met a lot of really cool people. I mean, it's too bad I was a raging alcoholic in the height of my addiction, but <laughs> <laughs> and couldn't have appreciated it. But um, like, it's true network. The networking yeah. value of that. But um, anyway, it was my way to be social, but also still drink the way I wanted to drink. So there hey, you go. That. Anyway. <laughs> now that we know on. dating is that awful. <laughs> what? <laughs> is that dating is that awful? Mm -hmm. It sounds like New York, but like uh less romanced. You know, because New York is like going and finding love in the city and DC's like, oh. are you a politician? Right. It's, it's who do you work like, for? Who do you it's work like, for? Yeah, who do you work for? <laughs> what party like, what are you affiliated with? <laughs> what what can you do for me? you yeah. know thing yeah uh we we share you know it's five guys sharing a you know one room basement in a row house on like you know rhode island avenue or something <laughs> i got stuck on rhode island avenue a couple weeks ago i'm still heated you're still, about that you're still traumatized by it i yeah. was uh, i did was recently in dc driving all over the place i think i talked about it my friends was mm -hmm. her daughter was my friend's friend's kid was doing a flat Stanley thing and like of these. So we drove around DC so she could take pictures of the flat Stanley with like the cherry blossoms and the, the monuments and things like that. So yeah, those were some good pictures you took. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Um, anyway, 
<laughs> we haven't even talked about what we're talking about this episode. So this episode is <laughs> this episode is um we are talking about very recent 2020 episode. Um it is called Running Out of Time. Um God. Okay, Running Out of Time is on 2020. It's about the um death of Lauren McCluskey. Um, and it is episode 45. No, season 45, episode 25. So I was like, damn, 45 seasons of 2020. No, 25 seasons, episode 25. No, season 45, right. episode 25. Yes, that's a lot. 45 seasons. I love it's it. A lot. It's a lot of 2020. So um, it's on ABC. Um, you can watch it on Hulu. You can watch it on a lot of wherever you can get your ABC stuff. But it's, it's it was like aired two weeks ago. So it's very recent. Um, University of Utah student who was stalked by her boyfriend, uh, kidnapped and killed. And <laughs> lots of things that go with that. So we're going to get into all that. But let's take a quick break right now. Okay. So we are talking about 2020. 2020 season 45 episode 25 Laura like, McCluskey <laughs> running out of time it was a ESPN investigation that actually was able to put this um together which says a lot which is a whole other commentary when we get into what the university did and didn't do um Lexi you want to yeah away? so Lauren was a track and field athlete at the university who passed away at the young age of 21 she was also the victim of um, an abusive relationship and this it wasn't physically abusive but he well i mean at the end he ended up murdering her unfortunately but um she was stalked harassed and what's interesting is many people seem to want to ask the question of well why didn't a victim go to the police or why didn't they tell someone and get help or why don't they leave the person and then in this case and while we know that there are answers to those questions as to why victims don't leave or don't report the abuse. Right, right. Very this, valid reasons. Right. In this, this case, did. she did. And unfortunately, she, did the she left yeah. the guy. She did things in public. Right. And so yeah. she did all of the right things. So what more could have been done? And this episode dives into who failed Lauren and what could have been different. What, what could have been done to, to change the result of what happened and and yeah and it goes it's really interesting because because the the suspect well not the suspect the guy we know who did it um he has this whole other backstory right this whole criminal history and they talk with the cop who from the task force that handled that and how like that was handled right up until a certain point and then it fell apart and stuff yeah and what's interesting is we were just talking about dating in dc and just dating in general and i think 10 years ago i wouldn't have told anyone to just automatically background check somebody that they date or just to like put them in the mail and judicial like the case search that you can do but yeah more yeah, more. I think at that at that at that stage it was just like okay, let's do a standard Google search and maybe one of the cheap yeah. the cheap background like police report background checks. If you have a friend who works for the police department, you might have them run the name, you know. But it's like thing. right, so many people nowadays. I I found like people are dating people they didn't even know who they really were, and people are lying about who they are. So in order to protect yourself, it might be a good idea when you meet somebody. Yeah, and we'll talk about all of that stuff all along the way. (laughs) Yeah. So we meet Lauren's parents, Jill and Matt McCluskey, who introduce who Lauren is. They say, 
she was an amazing athlete. She was always so energetic. And at two years old, she was climbing trees. She grew up in Pullman, Washington. She was fearless. And her dad said she was a sensitive girl and sports gave her confidence. So she was breaking records at track and field and young at a young age in different track events. So she was destined to continue on with that in college. And then we see her childhood friend, Regina, who said she was the one of a kind friend you could always rely on. And we meet another one of her friends, Alex, who plays a big role in this whole episode, who met her uh, at her freshman year at the University of Utah. And uh sorry everyone was that the black girl that was with her when she reported Mm -hmm. the incident okay yeah yeah i loved her she did she she did have a big part yeah Mm -hmm. and so we meet her and then we meet her friend diamond who was lauren's housing advisor and And her friend right yeah she did she did everything right also yeah yeah there's like two and a half people who did something right in this whole thing (laughs) just so sad right yeah Mm -hmm. (sighs) mm-hmm And so Alex was telling us the story about how her and Lauren went dancing on a Saturday night. And that's when they met the bouncer, who was this huge guy, big muscles. He told them he was 28 years old and he was enrolled at a local community college and that his name was Sean. Her friend Regina, after um, Lauren kind of told Regina what was going on after she met this guy and said how wonderful he was. Regina said it was too good to be true. And that he had swept her off her feet early on Um, now yeah so so let's let like okay she said it was like so perfect right like right like really heavy like from the start and i immediately thought love bomb yes like yes a narcissistic love bombing yep yep because you figure by the time they met was like september 2nd from the time she died which was like at the end of october that was it they hadn't i think people she ended it after a month yeah yeah. And half of that time, she wasn't even, like, physically with him because, like, it She's was, busy. like, spring break or whatever. Remember mm-hmm. when, when she went home and he had her car before she'd mm-hmm. broken up with him? Yeah, like, think, uh, one of the breaks, yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the early on red flags, which Alex caught, was that Lauren said, hey, Sean said I could invite a few friends out on Thursday to meet him and yeah. told her what to wear so that red flag. and that i could wear this jeans and t-shirt or whatever it is so that's what i'm doing yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. told me i could invite people out to meet him well immediately you're thinking controlling coercive control all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and what to wear okay so yep all the and red all you know red flags immediately which apparently lauren picked up on too because mm-hmm. she tries to end this thing he kept calling uh, calling her and she told her friend she had to answer right away. And of course, it's because he had, you know, previous insecurities or current insecurities from previous relationships. Right. Another big red flag. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I think is a lie anyway. But He's just yeah. controlling. He just wanted to make sure he knew where she was. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So it's like day two of their getting to know each other. And Sean invited her to go shooting and told her she wanted, uh, he wanted her to get a gun, which is very interesting for like a day two kind of meeting, I guess. Yeah, like that's not, I I mean, I, okay. I think yeah. I, I had like noodles and company on date two. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have burrettos and, and, and beer or anything. <laughs> burrettos and beer. Oh my God. 
I mean, was it an event at the shooting range? Oh my God. No, yeah. No, they'd do that. They would like Florida. Florida would do that. I mean, I, I've gone shooting for dates. I love shooting guns, but I wouldn't I know you do, but I wouldn't have somebody at like on day two. It was just the way he said it. And he was staying with her at this point in the dorms, which you're not allowed to have people technically stay right. there who don't go there. So mm-hmm. when Lauren told Diamond what was going on, Diamond said she had to switch into professional mode and she contacted her supervisor with some of the concerns she felt with Lauren's relationship, being that he wanted her to bring a gun possibly to campus. Yeah. And just the way the relationship was turning, she said she wasn't taking care of herself and the controlling nature of it. Yeah. Yeah. So the well, turning- and then it was the what she said, I think it was her or somebody she else had said that the the fact that he had said something about a gun, about you should get one and trying to convince her, that was kind of what like pushed it over the edge for them and it was like okay like that yeah. that's taking it that's even weirder like these other things on their own i don't like but then this on top of it that scares me enough to want to do something about it like yeah. let's tell somebody because if you're talking guns now now we're in a different level right and as we'll find out later with. on we know his history and background right it's <laughs> super scary right so- the falling out began when she found his ID, which he had left at her place or somewhere lying around, which had a different name and age on his ID. So now she's like, okay, red flag. And her and her friend look him up. Like, who is this person? His real name is Sean Melvin Sean Roland. He was mm-hmm. actually 37 years old. And when they looked up his uh, information, he had been arrested twice and pled guilty to two sex crimes. Oh, by the way, he's a sex offender. Like, right. oh, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. One was with a minor. Yeah. So so they find this out. And she, at this point, makes the decision, okay, that's enough, right? Like, so she just, they decide she's going to break up with him, right? Am mm-hmm. I right on the timeline of this? I don't want to jump yeah. ahead of where you're at necessarily. But Well, so, she was, yeah, contemplating it, yeah. She was at first making excuses like he was making excuses to her as to what the sex crimes were oh, really yeah, about. Of like course. it was just somebody at a party and you know, mm-hmm. blah, 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 which no, I'm sorry. Right. There's no. Mm-mm. Meanwhile, she had loaned him her car while she went back home to visit her parents. Mm-hmm. So they just started dating and she loaned him her car, which red flag. He doesn't drive. It's, well, maybe it's a red flag to some people. To me, it would be to be that old and not have a car or drive. Yeah. Like why? Yeah. And also she's loading him her car. I don't let anyone drive my car. Know, right. <laughs> like that's my husband can drive my car sometimes. I've let my son drive it, but yeah. You let us very small group. I'm sure that you're very close to your husband and your son. My husband, my son, and it also has GPS on it, so I can track it on my phone. <laughs> so right. exactly. But it's also a hybrid. And so it's gas mileage will save my son money on gas right. you're such a rather good mom. than his SUV. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah. on October 10th, 2018, Jill, who was Lauren's mom, calls the University of Utah police to tell them she doesn't want her daughter going alone to meet uh, Roland to exchange her car. And campus police call Lauren just to make sure she feels comfortable in that situation with, um, you know, meeting him and if they wanted another officer there. So she says, yes, I would like somebody there. Mm-hmm. And I should say that Jill did tell the police that she had recently found out about his sexual crimes yes. background. Yeah. So. Which, by the way, is okay. 
I watched this episode with with the no, the knowledge in my okay in my history that thirty years ago I was a police dispatcher for a university police department. So, so seeing this episode and seeing what happened, I'm just like, eh. I mean, it's not like I can say like, oh, we would have done it better or whatever. I mean, I have no idea what any of the individual officers would have done or or detectives would have done. Um, and it was 35 years ago that I worked there. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, it was a different time. But um, so so I can't say that. But I can say at least I, I, I the way that the dispatchers handled it, I, I felt like they at least listened. You know, I mean, they can't do much beyond that, but. Mm-hmm. unfortunately so but yeah. yes so <laughs> i was like oh okay <laughs> yeah so immediately after they exchanged the vehicle lauren started receiving text messages from different numbers and, and that's when she broke up with him right she had already broken up with oh him. yeah 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 and the, they were saying weird things like he was in an accident and that he died in some of the messages and then others it was him texting her and her mom from Jill his said, no number yeah right yeah. just a bunch of weird shit going on so jill said that he was good at making spoof numbers and manipulating social media she didn't get into a lot of the details about the social media but as yeah. we know how crazy people can it's easy you know. to like hanakawa i think you've told me about this right like the google numbers and stuff like yeah you can, voice over ip or whatever the good what is that you're the what, you're the you young about vpn you're the young whippersnapper of the group <laughs> <laughs> what is it the 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 with like you can use your phone through google to do the google numbers and it disguises your number gives you a different phone number that's just a google number like you can do she's like yeah that's just normal like what are you looking at grandma there are apps <laughs> that you can download that you can i mean there's all kinds of yeah there's apps where you can get a fake number if you want to but like if you do google voice it will use your uh phone connection to dial but it'll dial the google number instead of your per- personal number if okay, that makes so sense. yeah you have to explain all so this you'll, you'll the, dial you'll go into the, the google voice the like google me. voice app right and you have a phone number because you've mm-hmm. linked that to your Google Gmail account. Um, hopefully you're smart enough to not link it to your personal account. If not, God save you. I can't. <laughs> um, and then when you use it, of course, since Google isn't a phone service, it tandems with your phone. So you're using your phone service. But and then the number masking. comes up as, yeah. Masking I mean, it's not number. it's not foolproof. It's just like if you're not wanting to give your number away to people, you could do the right. Google voice. But she already fucked up by letting them over at her dorm. Right. Like well, that, I guess okay. that, yeah. But, like, but my <laughs> point being, I was wanting you to explain that to the to old folks listening, that there are all these different ways that you can use your own phone to make it seem like it's coming from a different number. Right. Yeah, like right. all these I mean, apps and things like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a normal thing a... that can happen technology wise. Right. People do that all the time. So, so the likelihood that it was just him, and I say this because of what the officer fucking, fucking thumb up his ass later is <laughs> like, well, we don't know that it was him doing the extortion. Yeah. Well, we probably would if you had fucking done any kind of search warrant. Like the detective had actually done any work and gotten search warrants on the phone numbers and da 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 da. Then you could attract it all to him, but nobody did a goddamn thing anyway. No, everything he said contradicted himself. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so she decides to call the university police and is telling them, hey, I'm being contacted by these different numbers and harassed. And the dispatcher said, asked her if she had told the person or people 
to stop contacting her. And she said, no, she just keeps blocking the numbers. Mm -hmm. Six weeks after she met Roland, she calls campus police again on October 13th, saying she's being blackmailed with a photo of her in some sort of provocative photo. We don't know if it's her and Roland or just her. They don't go into detail, but, uh, you know, possibly a nude photo of her well we know yeah, they're, it they're probably they're probably sending nudes to each other right right yeah well we right. know from the later with things with officer numbnuts yeah it was she, definitely her nude yeah her no, she, naked pictures with her of her yeah mm-hmm. and so she was saying that um they threatened to send the photo out to everyone so they asked for a thousand dollars in blackmail so she actually sent a random person a thousand dollars on venmo <laughs> and i mean yeah. and her suspicion is that it's it's him it's roland but i don't know sometimes she just seemed really uh, not very smart i would say naive i'm getting a little upset is and i know most college kids don't want to but she should have really talked to her parents like went home <laughs> And said, this is what's happening. No, I mean it. Because a lot of people think, you know, oh, my parents are going to be so mad at me. I can't possibly yeah, call my no. dad or whatever. I'm like, I think your dad would rather hear that you did something stupid and sent news to somebody rather yeah. than hearing you get dragged into the bushes and killed by that somebody. Right. So like, it, it, it's, <laughs> they're so, and, they're, you're so young that you think like the stupidest things are going to get you in trouble. And you're I just, I wish people would feel more comfortable going to their parents when they get into deep shit like this. I, well, she yeah, did I can, go to her parents. And yeah. Then, like they really go to her parents and say, the school isn't listening. I filed a report. I'm being blackmailed. He's asking for Venmo, you know, like yeah. were the parents really being that passive? I don't think she really gave them. Based the on what the parents were doing later, I suspect that, I mean, I feel like they didn't know until later about the right. photos and things like that. But I mean, she did seem pretty open with them, but we don't get a ton and of I'm information. And I'm not blaming. Yeah, I'm not blaming her. It's just those little no. like, those little lessons where you're like, oh, I wish you would have like. As the parent of a, a college little bit. student. Yes. Yeah. Come to me. Mm-hmm. Come to me. Come. Tell me. <laughs> Yeah, um, I can help you fix it. Like I went to my mom for I went to my mom for stupid stuff. Like, hey, I'm not going to make my final. <laughs> <laughs> you bet uh, your ass I would have been there. She would have been turning all the school upside down trying to find this person. So yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, <laughs> so on October 13th, uh, her and her friend Alex go inside to talk to campus police, and. This is when we meet Miguel Deras, who is the officer. Officer Nuts. The fucking, I'm dropping the F-bomb because this guy is a fucking idiot. How he passed any exam to become a police officer is beyond me. <laughs> Psychological evaluation, don't know how he can, like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I yeah. have my, my thoughts on this guy. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> the fact that he actually went on 2020 to be interviewed. Let's talk about that. I, yeah, what an like idiot. The- the fact that he agreed to be interviewed when he's that dumb. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's that bad of an interview because he is so dumb. Yes. He can't answer a question. Plus, he he doesn't have good answers to any of these questions anyway, because there aren't good answers. Just exactly. Bottom line is he just didn't know he didn't do it. But they failed on so many levels. Mm-hmm. So there aren't any good answers. And instead of coming on and saying that, he's just like Ugh. deflecting and. He's literally sitting there with his fucking thumbs up his ass, yeah. like twiddling his goddamn taint. Yeah. Well, looking Tri- at pictures of Lauren McCluskey, apparently. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So he, quote, took their information. <laughs> I say that loosely. And 
Lauren actually had a picture of uh, Roland's ID on her phone. Mm-hmm. So she showed him the ID and Alex said that she didn't think that they were taking it seriously. Um, and she was like, maybe she should move housing. You know, she's on the first floor. They were just kind of brushing it off. And the, uh, this is when they, the interviewer asked Miguel if there was any concern on his part for her safety based on his history after Lauren told him, hey, and, he's a sex offender mm-hmm. and, and went this to is jail. What, <laughs> this is what's his numb nuts is like, well, we didn't know that, that he was the one uh whatever blackmailing blackmailing it's like you are so dumb you are so dumb right so after she left the office oh he said that um he will pass along the information to the detective kayla who wasn't in the office that day Mm -hmm. but he would just you know pass it along so i guess that just didn't sit well with lauren and alex because that evening lauren called 911 and she told 911 hey i'm being blackmailed for money which, they, which let's let's clarify. When she called nine one one, she called the surrounding police department, not the university police. Which is right. so we have the two different agencies here. So the people she's initially reporting this to is the university police department, which is a separate entity, separate agency than the surrounding whatever. I don't uh, Utah State Police. I don't know. I don't know which agency that was, but she calls that agency. It's a separate agency. So yeah. Go ahead. And the dispatcher told her, um, I'm going to have to transfer you to campus police because it's not our jurisdiction. Right. Which so, unfortunately is true. But. Right. So then she transfers her to a campus dis- dispatcher who then says, hey, you can talk to a police officer. But it didn't really go anywhere. And at this point, she had um, Miguel's text or his cell phone number. So she was in communication with that police officer uh, moving forward, which was completely worthless and useless because he didn't yeah, do anything. He didn't do shit with it. Right. So at this point at the university, she has talked to the police officer who took her report. And then um, that report was assigned to this detective in the detectives unit who was not there that day. I believe it was like a Saturday that they reported it. So, and then the detective is later on record as saying that she was not told her police chief or whatever told her not to come in to take the, the case like yeah it like wasn't she like important need, enough it wasn't important enough for her to come in and talk to her then like she could follow up on it during regular business hours the following week or whatever um which yeah. apparently never happened but <laughs> so 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 at this point yeah so then she calls the surrounding city police department because she's like I, i've talked to them nothing's happening i haven't heard anything i don't know what's going on i'm scared blah blah, blah. She, and and you know, that dispatcher just did what she, which was just get her, you know, I, we can't do anything because the jurisdiction you live on campus, the the agency of where you live has to be the reporting agency to, to handle it. And, um, and so then, yeah. So at this point she's talked to all these people, tried to explain what's happening. And then meanwhile, the documentary is showing all this um, surveillance photos Mm -hmm. or a video of like her coming in and out of her dorm like to get him like when they were like things were still good or whatever like they're showing this progression of him appearing outside the door Mm -hmm. (laughs) and stuff which because we don't know it but until later so on friday october 19th we see roland dressed up as deadpool yes (laughs) deadpool 
walking around Lauren's dorm because he's 37 years old. And I guess he was trying to be in disguise. I, I don't know. So at this point, we find out that he had access to her email because at mm-hmm. one point she had logged into her email on his phone. And right. on October the same day at 4.48 p.m., she called Salt Lake City Police saying that she had been working with campus police, but no one is doing anything and that she was contacted by someone saying that they know everything. So in her mind, she's like, how is it my harasser, whoever they are, knows that I'm contacting police before anybody's even talking to me about the Yeah, no one from police has talked to me about this. Right. So she's like, wait a second. Did they contact him or what's going on? Yeah, so, so, yeah, so now she's getting information that shows that he now is in her email which you know has access to all of her the the you know whatever the communications with the um police department so Mm -hmm. so what does salt lake city do they send her back to campus police yep and at this point lauren uh said her family is concerned nothing is being done so once she said that statement all of a sudden campus police wants to be proactive and doing Mm -hmm. something right and that's when uh, Detective Dallif Kayla uh, calls her and fills her and Lauren fills her in with all of the information. Uh, and she says, hey, write me an email with everything you're describing. Big mistake, because obviously mm-hmm. he was in her email. So right. now he knows everything that she's been sending the police. She's been reporting. Yeah. But nothing happens. It's that October 19th. So now October 22nd, 2018, uh, Roland parks his car outside of her place and she receives a text message from a quote deputy chief. Oh, that has a lot text of message gram- grammatical errors in it. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, I don't think this is from him. So she talked to Detective Numbnuts and said, <laughs> Hey, I think Detective Deputy or De- Deputy Chief is contacting me. Which to he's he was like, Well, what's what's the number? And she told him, he's like, That's not that's yeah. not Deputy Chief. Um yeah. and this is which is crazy like well so like these things of him like dressing up as deadpool and him the 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 video that they're showing of him in the parking lot and all this stuff like this is all happening as she's trying to report this other stuff she doesn't know that he's stalking her at this point because she'd broken up with him so she doesn't know that he's there but they're showing all this footage because campus police has this from the dorms and the parking lots and all this stuff and espn and abc got it from doing public information requests (laughs) Um, which is an interesting thing that comes up to the thing about the cops later suing the university mm-hmm. for being allegedly scapegoated <laughs> on this. Right. Yeah. With, so, by withholding some of the evidence from the book. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Miguel took the text message, like I guess a screenshot or whatever, and sent it to this detective Kayla, who's completely useless. <laughs> um sorry everyone's just useless, useless everyone's a, useless, useless. B. and um let's see so then we see a video of roland walking into her housing building carrying a small black bag and meeting one of the residents he told the resident his name was apollo and asked if he could hang out with him saying that he was a student majoring in software engineer and that he was a former marine with the gpa of an average GPA of 3.7. Okay. That's a so, lot of details to lie about. Well, I was going to yeah. say who, who yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, okay. 
like all of that's a lie right, right. so he, yes. he 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 basically tailgates his way into the into the dorm right followed somebody else in who's coming in uh-huh. and he's in there and he's hanging out and he meets this dude who happens to know lauren he's like yeah can i hang out with you while i like wait for her or whatever and they have this conversation in which he reveals all of these made-up details yes I'm just, i don't uh, i'm so angry then he said is, the problem is that this is recent like yeah, yeah. These yeah. are these are things you teach people not to do in dorms. Mm-hmm. Like people yeah, in this apartment buildings learn not to don't let DoorDash in. Like there's Karen videos about it, which you know are controversial. But like, yeah, I'm not letting you in because you could be killing my neighbor. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a reason you don't let people in tailgating uh, behind you. you know? And not only that, then you let somebody in, and then he has the audacity to tell. This student. Want to see what's in my bag? Yeah, I have a military issued Beretta. And at no point did the student be like, "Oh, he's like, man, yo, that's cool." Yeah, he's like, I. And then he's like, "Yo, I gotta go to the library and study, dude." And like takes off. (laughs) Right. Invite him into his room. I don't know. I am so like, so yeah. But I remember living on the dorms, and it was it could have it was fun. I mean, we had some experiences. I don't remember just letting people in though i I can't remember that but no like absolutely not yeah yeah i don't know i mean i feel like i mean back it was the dark ages when i went to when i was in college in the dorms um so i feel like i don't know though but there was always people around that i didn't know so you anybody could have been there and made up a story and i would have been i was just drunk and doing whatever you Mm. know that I didn't get kidnapped and murdered and, and <laughs> yeah. all that. Well, by the time I got in, my our dorms had color coding. So each year your badge had a color on it. Oh. And it changed with each year. So like you knew that person was supposed to be in that dorm that year because they had the tag and the badge number. We oh, had wow. keys. I had actual physical keys. Oh, no. We, we beeped in. Like oh, if, they no, could no, have no. A, if, if they could have a rectum scan, they would have done that. <laughs> no i was back in the day back in 1992 when i was in college in no one said, 90- how are they gonna scan your rectum no one asked <laughs> i thought i just misheard you and i thought it was my own fault rectum scan <laughs> oh my god is it bad that i can't even remember what we had i think it was an access card but i can't remember mm-hmm no, we had um I had an actual physical key. My kid has a badge thing. Yeah, that's what I feel like I had, but I, I don't remember. That's bad. I only lived on campus for the first year though, so I'm gonna use that as my excuse. We'll be right back. And now back to the show. Okay, so <laughs> let's see. He goes to the library. So then Roland leaves uh Lauren's dorm building around the time that she's getting out of class. And at this point, Jill was talking to Lauren on the phone. Lauren is on, uh, Jill is on speakerphone with with uh, Lauren. So her dad or her husband, Matt, can hear everything that they're talking about. And Matt, her father, said she sounded so happy. She was talking about an assignment she had done. And then all oh. of a sudden, out of nowhere, they hear her say, no, no, no. And they knew something was wrong because... Um, she the phone wasn't disconnected but she was no longer there and her mom said she could hear what sounded like her being dragged away 
yeah. and some yelling in the phone. How terrifying. I know. Can you imagine just on the phone with your kid who's happy talking talking about like, oh, I just finished. I'm getting really progress on my assignment and da 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 and everything is great. Oh, no, no. Right. Listen to your yeah. daughter. It's just off. heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's not like they live close. They can't just like, you know, drive there really quickly. So right, right. At this point, uh, Matt calls police and it's it's, her explains father, what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And at, at, while he's on the phone with police, someone picked up Lauren's phone that was on the ground because it was still connected to her father mm-hmm. on the other line. And was like, hi, I just found this phone. And, and the stuff spread out. out and... Right. Bag everywhere. And... So the dispatcher gets all of this information. They got people calling about the stuff. And then they, what is it? Then the shots, shots fired. fired. Yeah. Shots fired. You yep. get, they start getting calls about shots fired and some screaming. So they're, they go in full lockdown mode. Yeah. They go full lockdown mode and f- try to figure this out. And then they, um, and at this point, Lauren's father was saying he kept looking outside of his house, looking for a police car to pull up. And if he didn't see one, then he figured it, everything was going to be okay. Like waiting right. for them to notify oh. her. Mm-hmm. Then, oh my God, my heart just sunk. <sighs> but it ended up being her coach who called Jill to tell her that they found her and that she was gone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, we don't they, yeah, see. Yeah, they, where the, the shooting happened and everything and, and the bodies or whatever yeah so what we don't see and obviously it was not released was that the university actually has uh the kidnapping on video we oh. see her him forcing her into his friend's car and he sh- ends up shooting her seven times he then nonchalantly walks away and leaves campus and then he just gets into a car of like an unknown person a white car well she's not on him for long but right, <laughs> basically he gets, he gets picked up and goes on a date yeah goes <laughs> on a date as though nothing happened who we met on a dating app mind you right all of which we find out later he, none of this should have happened he shouldn't have had but that's right, right. <laughs> that's the exactly that's the second half exactly but that so, woman comes mm-hmm. forward right away yep after they put out the description because where did they get the description from the 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 video or she saw it on the news i believe she right but but how did the news get it is what i'm saying is like the the police put out something and yeah they did they texted and twitter this guy this is what he's wearing and the last scene because they saw him on the campus like bus depot getting into this car this corolla or whatever it was and she's like so this woman sees it and is like wait a minute that's my car that's (laughs) that could be my car that sounds like the guy i was just on a date with and now i'm freaked out and terrified for my safety (laughs) yeah so she's at the station and the and the cop is like don't worry you're safe here and all i could think of like is she is she though (laughs) i mean her new picture safe oh wait right god okay so then they the police go on a massive search for for roland and they spot him downtown and start a foot chase he ends up running inside of a church and shooting himself with the same gun he used to kill Lauren. Which incidentally, which is, the same gun that she went shooting with on their second date. Did she actually go? Well, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, they yeah, they they, they yeah, they said that it was the same gun that they used when he took her shooting. Oh. I will say, um, what a bitch ass move to kill himself, first of all. I hate that. Yeah, I'm sorry. That that triggered me too. I'm like 
you motherfucker have just put everyone through hell and then you took your own life yeah yeah anyhow that got me thinking all this whole story got me thinking of the campus shooting that i I was actually involved with when i worked at the campus police department Um, oh my god yeah yeah and i was because i so so i went to san diego state right and and before i was a dispatcher there i worked in the i worked for the campus police department while i was still student in the like student patrol division Mm -hmm. like we did like the safety escorts and things like that right like we would drive the car pick you up from class when at night and Uh take you back to your dorm to be safe and things like that provided security you know that type of thing um and um I was out on campus for a meeting. We were sitting, I was sitting, we were all sitting in a meeting, um, like our weekly meeting, and we get a knock on the door. And it was like the, it was the dispatcher saying, um, there's a shooting over at the engineering building. And what it turned out to be was this guy was doing his like thesis defense over in the engineering building, and he had pulled out a gun that he had planted there earlier in the first aid box, pulled it out, shot the three professors. Let the students that were because he was there to defend his thesis. So the students that were there to watch him were left unharmed. But he was like, it was, he thought that that there was paranoid delusions of them out to get him type of thing. Like he'd already been denied once before his thesis, and so it was something along those lines. So he ends up shooting these guys, three guys, and so they pop their head in. So everybody goes into activation mode, right? So we all run out there provide you know security and start rolling rolling up tape and you know and all this stuff and he um he's actually the one that called 911 so he called 911 and says i just killed my thesis board and then like explains it and so our cops go out there and it was the summer so we had like um like minimal staffing because it's the summer of the university like it wasn't that much going on um and so he, we have a couple cops go out there and like one of like the sergeants was in plain clothes, but he grabbed like the shotgun from like one of the police cars and they all go running in. And this guy worked in the engineering department <laughs> and it was like, um, and I guess, I don't know, like somehow the, he had done some technical IT work with the sergeant that I worked with, the police department. So he they, he knew they knew each other. So when when our cops got there, he was like saying, "Shoot me, shoot me." He was basically begging them to oh, shoot him. Suicide by police. Suicide by cop, right? And um, you know they kept th- you know put put the gun down, put the gun down, and then like the sergeant was like, "Hey, you know me. I will shoot you if you don't put the gun down." <laughs> you know, and um, like he did. He put his gun down and surrendered and. Did he actually kill the people? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're dead. Oh, my God. That's and crazy. He, he's serving three life sentences in a plea deal to avoid the death penalty. Although Jeez. it's California, so it wouldn't. <laughs> but whatever. So I just looked up that case right Jesus. before. Like, anyway. crazy. So as a as student security person there, I had to end up working a lot of that. Like a lot of the exterior, a lot of detail stuff for that like keep security to perimeter of the building and all that kind of stuff mm. and i was Crazy. a supervisor anyway so that was the one i was involved in but <laughs> that aside crazy crazy um yeah so so they that motherfucker shot himself yeah and <laughs> after that all happened we see her friends and teammates talking about how wonderful how wonderful she was and looked like they were doing like a memorial service we then meet a woman that he used to date 
Oh, actually, sorry. Wait, that's later. But yeah. um, they did mention that they interviewed women that he had dated in the past and they all said how horrible he was. And so dude please, gets rejected and then turns around and kills the woman who rejected him. Welcome to dating. Yeah, right? Pretty much. So police then learned that at 22 years old, he sexually assaulted a 17-year-old high school student. And yeah, so we, now we we go into this whole parade of horribles about all the shit that he did we'll be right back hey fraudcasters everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt can be such a challenge i know i've always had problems with it whether it was the fit or the quality luckily the perfect t-shirt does exist and you can find it at skims the maker of my perfect t-shirt bra now i have the perfect t-shirt to go with that bra from either crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees there's a style for everyone my cotton jersey t-shirt is now a wardrobe staple for me i reach for it almost every day and the fit is so perfect because it snatches me right in at the waist i've washed it a million times and it's held its shape really well it fits like a dream i absolutely love it and honestly you guys i thought like okay this shirt is gonna be too small for me and it's not gonna fit right and all the bulges are gonna show but it doesn't at all. I put it on and it magically stretches to fit me perfectly and it holds all those bulges in. Every little but last bulge that I have is all held in and it looks fantastic. I absolutely love it and it's super, super comfortable and it is, it is one of my new favorite t-shirts. You can shop the Skims t-shirt collection at skims.com, now available in sizes extra, extra small up to 4X. And if you haven't yet, be sure to let them know that we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu. And now back to the show. We then see the school holding a press conference in which President Watkins from the University of Utah says that this couldn't have been prevented, which Lauren's dad defies logic, says it defies logic facts and was definitely written by a lawyer, Mm -hmm. um, which is just like kind of like a gut punch to think that was that before or after they commissioned the the thing the study that said that because they had this study that like investigated everything and it was like like okay what did we do and then they they found all these areas that didn't have like the the all these areas where they failed right from i like think this the was officer before. to the detective and this and that and the other thing so many so many ways they failed but th- she then it goes on to say there's nothing that this could have been done to prevent this. It's like, what? what? You, you just saw all this other stuff that you that was wrong. And yet you're saying you couldn't prevent it. That's what I took it. But I, right. so but I think it could have been it, me mixing up the timelines on that. No, it was before because that is when the parents, Matt and Jill, decided to file a lawsuit against the university because they said that was the only way they were going to be able to get some sort of power and control to be able to see what really what happened. So, mm-hmm. When they do file the lawsuit, that's when we get to see all of the evidence. The numerous phone calls Lauren had made to police, which were way more than they even showed on the documentary. Like they, it was just Mm -hmm. call after call, it seemed like. Um, Mm -hmm. And Jill coming out in a press conference saying that women must be taken seriously and believed when they ask for help. They then talk about Roland's Uh, background a little bit. So he was, I guess both of his parents either passed away or something happened he was adopted by a family 
He attended a troubled high school mm-hmm. in Colorado after growing up in Brooklyn, New York. And in 2004, he was sentenced for one between one to 15 years in prison for enticing a minor over the internet and attempted forcible sexual abuse. So an undercover agent was acting as a 13-year-old girl in a chat room, and Roland said he wanted to meet with her to have wild sex. And when he ended up showing up to meet this 13-year-old girl, it was actually the undercover agent. In another case, which was what we talked about earlier, he forcibly raped an underage girl who was a 17-year-old and told her he wouldn't, she wouldn't have to hear from him again. She ended up going to the hospital for a rape exam. And that's when he went on a whole spiel about being a football player at the University of Utah and kind of was a master manipulator. And just in the little bit that we heard of him speak in the um, the parole hearing and whatnot, he had a very articulate way of speaking that almost sounded like, I, I almost believed him. I'll say it that much. Like he sounded very sincere in some ways. I mean... Well, that's what one of the girlfriends, right, said was like, you have to understand how good this guy is. This guy was at manipulating and talking to you and charming you and the things that he said, like he had this way of making you believe him. Yeah. And yeah. And unfortunately or fortunately, the victim didn't want to face him in court, I guess. So they had to come to a plea bargain because she wouldn't have been a witness in the um, hearing or something like that. Did you yeah, get that were, from? There yeah, was, there was some reason that it wasn't going to be ideal to go to trial. Yeah, um, with it, so they didn't want to put her through it. Variety of things that mm-hmm. that it was better to to plea it out. So now we hear from his par- uh, parole officer Megan Thompson, who was assigned to his case in 2018. And at the time, she said she had around 70 to 80 people on her caseload. But she didn't know the severity of all the other things going on with him. Like, she just knew about the one case. And in the parole hearing, he admitted, or not the parole hearing, at some point he was talking to detectives and he admitted to committing two other rapes that he wasn't charged for and right. never investigated or anything those weren't even investigated nothing i think it was a parole hearing because that's when they came out with a statement basically saying like oh well you know fifth amendment and we're focusing yeah. on this and which i, just I don't excuses. understand just right. excuses yeah and but, so yeah so at this point wait we're up to how many rapes that he's admitted to or been found guilty of he like said, four or five well he said two that they don't know about then there's the but he, he was impl- getting that... he was up for parole for a, the, right. the other rape right right so that's three at least so he admitted yep. to two others inclu- not including the one he was already in jail for and he it, said he used manipulation tactics to sleep with around 50 people that from what it seemed like to me they were like i don't want to say borderline rape because i don't know if there's borderline but it was definitely manipulation to sleep with people whether it be yeah, lying he he, yeah i think he just picked on young people yeah i don't think he's smart enough to manipulate i think he just took advantage of naive people honestly. yeah yeah i think that's a you know like he, he made it, it sound like he was some mastermind who got all this no but i think it's like sex by manipulation versus sex by right forcible rape, right 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 yeah. like grabbing he, you he, in the bushes and and forcing force fucking you is one kind of rape versus 
sexual assault he, he or took advantage of the situation to get them to sleep right. with them yeah yeah that's a, Most and definitely that's a, and but then there are forms of rape that are rape by you know manipulation sex by manipulation can be you know depending on the statute blah 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 blah, blah. but yeah i think that's what it was going at there was the difference between he was using manipulation not that he's a master manipulator because guy was dumb as a box rocks, right but <laughs> walking around his fucking deadpool yeah yep so we see Paul Amon, who was the former assistant attorney general, saying that he had absolutely no idea that Roland admitted to raping two other people that was not investigated. And in July of 2012, he was released from prison. And in hearing this, like, I want to call it, it's not an exit interview, but it's an interview that the board has with him saying, I hope you've learned your lesson and he responds with, I know I have the capability of reoffending he's and like, I'll have to I prove hope... it. Yeah. He's I like, won't. I hope, I hope I do too. Cause I know I'm capable of reoffending. I hope yeah. I do okay too. Right. And so <laughs> fast forward. I, I just can't. <laughs> I, 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 listen, I will, I don't want to go on like the rabbit hole of talking about how effed up our, our justice system is. And we know that black men especially are imprisoned more than anyone else. Yes. That's and a whole other conversation. It's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but what I will say is in this particular case, it's like he should have been in prison like over and over again. Yes. I'm like nothing to do with the in, fact that right. he was black. Yeah. Right. It's like the wrong things. Okay. Anyways, before I go down that rabbit hole. So in October, <laughs> 2012, he failed to participate in sex therapy. Hmm. And had links to porn on his phone. So he was sent back to prison. Ooh. Yeah, right? In 2013, he was paroled again and fathered a son. At the time, Kara, who was his ex-girlfriend, talked about her experiences with him and how she wouldn't see him for a couple of months. And then, boom, he would show up with like numerous phone calls and text messages bombarding him, which she thought was weird. And one day she saw him throw his phone under the oven and run away from his parole officer when she didn't even know why he had a parole officer. So this guy was <laughs> serial liar. When my parole officer was just here, she's like, wait, your parole what? officer? <laughs> what? <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah. And at this point, he tells police that if he had an agent conducting a field visit, he may become violent. To which his attorney replied with, well, he was just mad at the time. That's he a was threat. threatening his parole officer. That's a threat to a government officer, right? And like law the former assistant uh, <laughs> attorney general said, if he's going to threaten an armed parole officer, Lauren didn't stand a chance. Like I know you're going to threaten. Mm. Okay, so now we fast forward to April 2018. Roland is now paroled for the third time. His parole officer, Megan, said he was arrogant and entitled and that because of his history against women, she was overly assertive in her role and position. She discovered on his phone he had dating and meeting uh, meetup apps, which is a big no-no. You're not, I guess, you wasn't supposed part. to have that. Yeah. Right. But she said that there was no way the Board of Pardons would have approved him going back to prison on just that. I Like, I get it, but also you, you're raping women. Like, you're a predator so that's a whole nother thing yeah and then we had like all this stuff from his parole like recordings and stuff she's like her his the parole officer said she never heard any of this right 
Exactly. Know, she didn't know any of this. Like all she knew was the time he got the, the, the dating apps on his phone and like he pissed dirty for marijuana once, which right. wasn't that big of a deal. So they weren't concerned this about is it. What I, this is my thing. So they're like, okay, no, we wouldn't have sent him back to prison for marijuana and all the little stuff. But to mm-hmm. me, if you've had now you're on chance number three, it's not about what minimal violations you're doing. Like I'm pro weed. I'll always be pro marijuana. But if that's part of your board, like if you're not supposed to smoke marijuana, Mm-hmm. And you're on parole three. You've been paroled three times, and you can't even follow the basic rules of your parole. What the fuck is stopping you from doing anything else? Like you're just breaking rules left and right, and you're getting away with it. Yeah. So yeah. at what point do you draw the line and actually throw somebody back in jail that's not listening? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think the marijuana. Honestly, I don't think the marijuana one should have been an issue like if they shouldn't have because it shouldn't be an issue to begin with so it shouldn't see, be i disagree afterwards. i'm all about but, legalizing marijuana but if you can't follow the rules in your parole but the dating apps concern me because his his crimes and his proclivity is for finding, finding women, women and manipulating yep. them into sex um and so finding dating apps to me is much more alarming a hundred percent because that shows that he's in that same area of what he does to offend that's much closer to criminal conduct to me than marijuana i understand i totally understand your point absolutely but i wouldn't be concerned about that that would be close to a reoffense for him but dating apps that's his mo that's exactly right. that's how he commits the crime mm-hmm. like and you're like okay they're not gonna and you know, oh. yeah. and then so we talk about like gun laws and i know you and i are complete opposites of the spectrum of guns but here's what happened he had his friend his co-worker buy the beretta handguns that was used to kill Lauren and then ultimately himself. Yeah. And it's, I don't know what the checks and balances were with that. I have no idea anything about his friend and, and whatnot. Right. Um, but he, it was easy for him to get access to a gun. And here's the thing. If one of my friends comes up to me and says, Hey, I really need you to buy a gun for me. I, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> like, it's weird. Like buy your own gun. Yeah. Understand. Like, and that's the Beretta that he ultimately ended up shooting her with, which was right. the one that he, that she shot on their date. Yeah. Which is just a whole level of. Mm-hmm. So after all of these things were being uncovered, the university sent uh, the news reporters a letter that included this statement. Lauren's death forced the university to reckon with its dysfunctional police department, siloed campus operations and incomplete employee training and communication. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's, that's great that's a little too late um yeah which i mean it's good so like we had they're so acknowledging you got two 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 sets of issues here right you've got like the guy and all of his problems and getting paroled like all these evidence of crimes him saying yeah i'm gonna get the likelihood i'm gonna go out and reoffend, and he does repeatedly reoffend, reoffend, right. reoffend, and keeps getting out and nothing happens nothing happens right um to him and in the meantime he's stalking and doing all these things is crazy behavior to lauren this is all happening within like a month and a half with her right because you know it didn't last long right so all right. Of this stuff is happening after she broke up with him and he's stalking her and doing all this stuff in the meantime she's concerned about all this stuff calling the police and they're failing her end over end over end right so so you've got the system failing her in a way that she doesn't even know about yeah and then you've got all the systems failing her when she tries to call and why didn't she just leave she did leave why did you call the police she did call the police yeah she warned them her her, her friend her mom called and warned them all of these things 
and she was still kidnapped on, while she was on the phone and it's on surveillance. We've got yeah. all of these things that happen and get caught it on film and yet it still happened. Yep. Where were the failures? So then there's this report comes down, right? Yeah. Says all these things were bad. All these things happened that were bad. And that woman still has the fucking audacity to say, but this crime couldn't have been prevented. Fuck you, it couldn't have been prevented. Yeah. It been prevented so many different times, so many different ways. I don't well, think then she comes out thing. and does, she does say that eventually, but whatever. Well, yeah, when they were forced to, right. I think. Exactly. And they said that the uh, detective Kayla left the university to work for another department. And Dum Dum, Miguel, Oh, said, God, yeah. Detective, or is, Officer Numbnuts. This is when they're interviewing him. And the reporter asks, why didn't anyone interview Roland? Like, why did no one actually interview him? <laughs> and he just stares blindly, looking confused. That's literally what I said. Looking confused into the camera. I wish you could see my face. It's dark. Um, like, <laughs> um, And then he said he was trained to document information and pass it along to the detectives. And... He said that Lauren wasn't even sure if it was him. It could have been his friends. And I'm like, this guy needs to just shut up because he's just sounding really stupid. I don't know why he agreed to do the interview. Like, he's got to have a lawyer because he has these lawsuits that are filed against him and then lawsuits he's filed against the university. So he's got to have lawyers involved. Right. What lawyer allowed this to happen? I don't know. Because, no. Well, then they ask him, did you check his parole status when you were looking up his ID and his information? Because had he had known about, you know, that the fact that he was on parole, then this probably would have ended differently. And his parole officer would have found out about it, Megan. And he said he didn't know how to do that, basically. He had never run it. Yeah. No one Which had done so that before. Stupid. Which is so stupid because, like, I guarantee you... Well, okay, so what would have happened, okay, if it were me dispatching and the guy came in, somebody came in to do a report right there at the police department. We had a counter right in front of me. They they would do that report because that happens. They'd come in on a Saturday. They'd take the report. The cop would probably hand me the driver's license or the information. He'd written down. He'd give me the information. And then me as a dispatcher, especially bored on a Saturday, I would have fucking run it six ways to Sunday. I run it in every goddamn program I was able to run it in. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I would have come up with an entire package on because that's what we called it. We have a we said, can I get a package on this guy or whatever? And there's a certain set of documents that you get, including all of that status. So it's and that was thirty fucking years ago, right? It, it should be a lot easier now. Streamline now, yeah. So are you saying that the officer, um, dumb 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 nuts, whatever? Uh-huh. He should have been the one running that initially or the dispatcher. Um, well, I mean, he had the guy's name and, yeah. and date of birth and information and his real driver's license number right. and stuff. I I don't know what the policy is. I don't know what protocol would be, but my memory, if memory serves me, they usually have, I was running that shit. I would run that for the, for the officer, that frontline officer all the time. And then detectives would come in and ask me to run stuff other times. But generally, that first contact, you're going to get, you're going to run the suspect's information. Yeah. I mean, I would do so at the request of the officer. Otherwise, I wouldn't know what the information was. The officer gets the information because what's the suspect information? Mm -hmm. Here's his name. Here's his driver's license number. Here's the picture, you know. 
a good officer, an officer with half a fucking brain would have given that right. to the dispatcher just right. for an just for an initial package. You're not asking a dispatcher to run fucking search warrants on, you know, IP addresses and stuff. You're just asking for a general a basic. package, which is like the driver's license information and history. It's do they have any warrants, wants or warrants? Do they have which, you know, do they, is there a parole officer? Like you, there's all these systems that you can search in. Yeah. And find their history. It's not, it's just basic information. It's well, not Officer Numbnut said she hadn't reported any fear, so he didn't have any concerns. And I'm like, what planet are you on? Like, yeah. what the fuck planet are you on? So she also sent uh, Numbnuts the images that were explicit. And that way he could share them with the detective. But of course, as we later find out, he showed his coworkers and and non law like law enforcement people. Yeah. So he jail. had Officer Numbnut says, "Okay, you got to send me these pictures, whatever, all of the screenshots, everything, also the pictures that she had that was she was being blackmailed with, right?" Which, and as a current victim, you that trust. makes so sus. Yeah. Which well, is you sus trust to begin. I don't think it's suspect because if you're saying, well, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for the nude pictures. I would say, give me an idea of what these the, nude pictures are depicting. And then the detective can ask like, for them if they need it, it. It might be evidence, but like maybe she can get what he was sending and then, then they can ask her, hey, is this a picture that you sent him? And then metadata? Like, why did the actual photos of her naked need to be sent? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, That's that's nuts now. Yeah. yeah. And so he did what officers do. And this is, I'll tell you in a second, another story time with, with Kat, <laughs> why I know this from my police days. But, um, yeah, so he takes these pictures and he shows them to his, his fucking all his friends. Mm. But okay, so this is back in my day. We didn't have like cell phones were just starting to be a thing and they weren't nearly what they are now. They're just sporadically out there. They didn't have the pictures, they, you know, the camera capability. They weren't anything like this. Right. So we're talking the 90s, the early 90s, whatever. But the officers, when they would go to crime scenes. Um, they would take pictures, you know, and the, the cops were often take, they have their Polaroid cameras with them. I don't know what they use now, but they had Polaroids. Then. <laughs> Holy this crap. Is what, part of, this is why I know this. So I was married. My first marriage was a cop. He was a, a cop for the San Diego Police Department. And I would occasionally do ride-alongs with him or whatever, but I also know because I was married to him, right? So he would take pictures at crime scenes. And then they keep them. They take a few extra shots for themselves. And they, he kept it in this thing he called a box of death is what he called it. So it's like all these like dead bodies and evidence and all kinds of things. Pictures of guns, whatever. All kinds of random Polaroids of shit in his box of death that he kept with him. Huh. huh. Yeah, nice. Nice, huh? No, I'm nice thinking that, that cops yeah, do that. It's crazy. Um, you know, I was an EMT firefighter for right. a while so and saw i saw stuff. i saw a lot of shit but i never ever thought let me just hold on to this memory you know what yeah. i mean like right. i've done cpr probably like five or six times in my little short career of volunteering and i've seen dead bodies i've seen a lot of shit but at no point would i never want to think to also take a picture yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but i i don't i mean i know take a the picture job to put in your box that you keep with you is uh, yeah I don't know. Does did he go through that box a lot? Now I'm curious. He would come home and be like, "Oh, I do pictures for the box of death or whatever the fuck it was." I know it's it's morbid, but it's also like a processing of grief in a lot of cases, or just like not weird... the, not for him and his buddies. It was just 
they were just they were just those guys yeah yeah they were just those guys yeah they were just dicks yeah Um, you know he's he's that guy anyway (laughs) anyway um that was a million years ago anyway so (laughs) okay so of course you know officer numbnuts denies any ever doing that but he can't even lie appropriately on camera because he horrible body language and eye contact Um, because what came out in the report so they had done they done investigations into this allegation right yeah he was showing his friends and one of the things that came out was that they were at the crime scene of where she her body had been found so they were there with her body and one of the guys said i wonder what she looked like alive something like that yeah and then he's like well i can look anytime i want Right. And rather than pulling pulls, up her ID or something of her, he pulls up. He pulls up the nude picture of her. I can look yeah. anytime I want. You're talking about a dead body that's right in front of you, a woman who just lost her life. And you're Fucked like, up. I can look at her nude pictures at any time here at the crime scene over this dead body. Look, look at her. Look at her naked. Oh, and the other guy's like, oh, she's cute or whatever. So fucked up. So yep. sickening. Yeah. So sickening. Oh. So we then find out that Roland had confessed to his coworkers. He worked at a place called General Dynamics. Um, A place called General Dynamics. Like, like, like you've never heard of General Dynamics. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of it. I don't know what it is. What is it? You've heard of like Boeing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a company like that. Okay. (laughs) I, I, I don't know. I don't oh. fly planes and shit. I don't know. Oh, you're yeah. so... I'm like, you live in D.C.? <laughs> you're like, what? I don't know. Okay. North, if it's like Northern Grumman or something, I'd probably It's know, basically but... the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he confessed his co-workers that he had access to her email. And on October 2016, he had blackmailed Lauren. Wait, why did I put 16? Okay. Now I'm getting tired. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um hold on one second okay so they interviewed his co-worker who was actually his supervisor who went on and told them everything about how roland disclosed he had blackmailed her how he didn't want anybody to find out because he would go back to prison and he's going on and on about this to his supervisor and yeah. this person doesn't do anything like you're on parole and you're worried this guy about is telling him about all of this stuff that he's doing wrong that he's on parole all this stuff and the supervisor yes. what does he do oh uh, and not only that he goes on to such detail he says that she venmoed him another thousand dollars and he freaked out and was scared and tried to send it back to her yeah like so she had a, or he or she had a lot of details as to yeah. the story and what did they do with him nothing not a goddamn thing yeah, if a coworker comes up to me and tells me, hey, I blackmail somebody that says this, uh, yeah, I'm snitching. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and I'm sorry. May, yeah, course, I'm telling. <laughs> right. I watch way too much Dateline, right? Exactly. Or, and in this case, 2020. <laughs> unfortunately, Megan, the parole officer, had no idea about the interview, about any of this stuff. She didn't know any of it. Mm-mm. Nothing. So she always wanted to kind of tell Jill and Matt that she was sorry she couldn't have protected Lauren. And we see her crying, and obviously she feels bad. 
Well, she's but. like, yeah, I mean, it was her job to protect the public from this guy. Right. Right. And she didn't have the information that she would need to protect the public from this guy. She exactly. did what she could with what she had. And she still, she wasn't able to protect the public. She wasn't able to protect Lauren. So she's uh, understandably upset. Unlike Detective Numbnuts yeah. or uh, and Officer Numbnuts and Detective Numbnuts. Because she's whatever, didn't do shit either. Exactly. And so there's a lot of failures on a lot of different parts. And when Lauren's family decided to file a lawsuit against the university, they settled for $13.5 million, which they used the money to um, start a foundation. Yeah. Which uh, includes campus safety, animal welfare, and um, amateur athletics. And I went to their website. I sent it to you. I'm sure we can yeah. link it, um, which is very, yeah, we'll very link it down below. interesting. But they they donated all of their money to helping others, which I thought was yeah, they, pretty they, cool. Yeah. She wants to help teach. You know, they they work to get training in police officer, you know, hands about interpersonal violence, domestic violence, that kind of thing, um, partner violence, um, helping, you know, other parents maybe who've been through similar things and things like that but uh yeah it there's so many things about this case that like could go off in a million tangents there's the dating just the like yeah here's the, the guy who gets rejected goes and kills the woman yeah. i mean we that happens so often so yep. often right um you know you men who get oh, i don't know I no, know. I mean, I, I totally get it. I had to take a restraining order and I'm almost scared to talk about it just because oh, it's crazy. But don't. I did have to take a, a peace order out against a patient of mine who I've never had any sort of relationship with, like outside of the treatment room. Mm-hmm. Um, And it just goes to show that there are psychos out there. You have mm-hmm. to look for the red flags. And I was lucky enough that when I did go to the police with my text messages and emails and everything they actually did listen to me they did and they told me right away it was like midnight go to the commissioner's office and file a report right now like um but it was i felt supported you know and a lot of people don't yeah yeah there's uh i think it was a podcast that they were talking about um about this episode that's called listen um which you know makes sense because it's like if they had just listened to her you know yeah um I mean, there's just so many, you know, and as a, as you know, a former police dispatcher at a university, you know, it breaks my heart that the university police failed her so much, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's exactly the opposite of what we want. You know, (laughs) we're trying to keep your students safe. Yeah, exactly. To think you're Um, sending your daughter off to college and, you know, she's an athlete and she's happy and she's healthy and you never think that this could happen to you. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and I mean university, <clears throat> not knocking in place, are you know, <laughs> it, it it's not. I don't know. I, I think that they're too lax. Like you hear so many stories of them not thinking something is serious until it's too far to even prevent anymore. Yeah, and it happens so often, and I'm not even blaming just the officers because a lot of the times contractors that have the officers there tell them, "Hey, we don't want you to even have your gun on you." You know, what are you going to yeah. do if well, something happens? Well, you just call the real cops. And like, that. that's not. <laughs> and all all universities have different systems and different agencies. Like the agency I worked for was a legitimate a- independent agency of its own. We were a yeah. sworn law enforcement agency within the state of California. In fact, 
we had jurisdictional, there were California State University police officers. So they had jurisdiction all over the entire state of California versus just on campus, right? And they still had jurisdiction outside of campus because people would, you know, oh, you're just a campus cop and go drive off or whatever, but they right. have jurisdiction everywhere. So, but but not every every university has a department like that, you know, and we had a, you know, I had a, we had a working relationship with the San Diego police department, you know, which they loved. Oh, those San Diego police officers, they loved working our beat, the college area. So when the murders happened, does that mean that who investigated it then the campus police? Cause that was in there. Um, I think we did it in conjunction with the San just Diego curious. police, just because gotcha. they had more resources. Than That's what I was going to say. I was like, wait a second. It How was a this... resource thing, I think, right. you know, Makes I mean, because when that happens, the dispatcher immediately calls in other people. I mean, I know when I was because I wasn't dispatching that day, but other times I have been a dispatcher. I mean, you're making the calls to the other agency that we had a we had bat phone. Right. So we had this red phone. I pick it up. It rings immediately at a particular desk, the supervisor's desk at the San Diego Police Department. They know it's us. They knew it was me calling, right? They yeah. can just be so I can just say cover now, da, 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 location, and hang up, and they know to go, you know, or whatever mm -hmm. the, the situation is. You know, I'll just give them the the eleven code or the ten code, you know, accident it, da, 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 you know, cover. We need officers, you know, shooting, you know, whatever the whatever the call was. You know, we just um you know, would pick it up right there and call, and they immediately have that. Um, you know, when I, when I retire from my current day job, I want in my retirement job, I was going to go back to police dispatching. And I think like my viewpoint on it now would be so different than it was the first time around, just because oh, of sure. obviously age and stuff. And our, obviously our time are, is different, you know, in the nineties versus now, you know, is, is obviously the world is very different, but, um, you know, as, as paranoid as I get with, with, um, all the murder, murder, kill I watch, yeah. <laughs> um, but yep. I, I hope it would make me a better dispatcher, you know, listening sure to that would. kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I got some stories. I certainly have some stories from, from those days. <laughs> Good times. Oh, anyway, we should get um, we should contact the the people from the um, nine one one call center, whatever show that is that's on an ID or something where it's like a it's a it, it, like Cuyahoga County, Ohio. Yeah, now you're vacation about center the name of it. Yeah, yeah, and it follows like their shifts. Like, it's really well done. I really like it. It's that show actually. It makes me want to go back to dispatching. I have <laughs> like, to watch oh, it now. I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, to find it. I'll find a link to it, but it's really good. Um, but there, it's in Ohio, and um, it's like a center. It's like a regional center that dispatches police and fire for m many agencies, which is happening a lot. Like to save money, they go to these regional call centers. So you instead of just instead of each agency like maintaining their own communication center, uh -huh. you have like one big one that everybody kind of buys into. And then it's just like this huge center. And like one day I might sit down at this computer and I'll be like, okay, I'm doing 911 calls in whatever, Cleveland, you know? Yeah. Interesting. But the 911 call taker in Cleveland, or I'm dispatching fire for, you know, Akron, or I don't know. I don't know where all those things are, <laughs> but whatever the local cities are. Anyway, we should get someone from there. Come on and talk to stories with us. <laughs> That'd be cool. 
Um, in any case, so yeah, so that's the story of Lauren McCluskey and how she was failed in each and every way possible. Um, that was 2020. So you can go watch that there. Um, we have so much coming up for you. Um, and we're in various stages of recording and, and scheduling and this, that, and the other thing. Um, if you guys have a subject or a show or a particular documentary or a reality show or anything that you want to want us to, to, to go into, um, shoot us a message, let us know, because like I'm in contact with a couple people from the show 60 days in who are going to come on, um, the show and talk about their experiences there. I've got some people from MSNBC lockup. <laughs> real people who are locked up on that show um we've got all kinds of interesting reality show people coming on so if you have anything let us know hit us up um and yeah that's all i got good night everyone goodbye <laughs>Hey, fraudcasters. You know, I used to find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. They were the first thing to take off when I got home. But Skims has changed all that. You guys know I love my Skims Fits Everybody t-shirt bras. I own them in just about every shade now. I wear them every single day when I leave the house. And they are completely worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I was not expecting from them was how comfortable they are. Even the underwire bras that I wear all day, I barely even notice. Definitely not the first thing I take off when I come home anymore. Y'all, I'm a 36 double D and I've had a reduction and I've gone up and down and lost weight and gained weight and all the things. And the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, I swear, fits me the best. I finally found a t-shirt bra that I can wear, but not only that, it is the best bra that I own. It holds the girls in so well. And let me just say, Hetero Life Mate really appreciates these bras too. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes from a 30A to a 46H. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. And if you haven't yet, please be sure to let them know that we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show, The Fraudcast, in the drop-down menu that follows.